What did we say we we're gonna name this thing? Uh, the Mansfields After Dark. Is that it? I'm nervous because I know I'm being recorded. <laughs> Welcome. Okay, let's do that. Wait, again. we need a tagline. Maybe we should write it down and then we can read it so that it's a little more fancy. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think it should be fancy? I don't know that I've ever listened to a fancy podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Mansfields After Dark, where we have conversations about creativity. After we put our kids to bed. From our school bus turned studio in our backyard. I'm Sasquatch Mansfield. And I'm Molly Mansfield. Alright. That's good to me. I think that was pretty good. Okay. Okay, so for the uh, the past couple times you've picked the topic. And this week I'm going to pick the topic, which is going to be conscience. Nope. Conscious kindness and choosing gratitude and like positive thinking over, you know, the negativity. Okay. And I guess how, how that relates to, you know, a creative life. I like it. Like all the things that we talk about, it's creative life. Yeah. So. Let's so get what into do you want to say about? Well, Kindness. I have a I have a lot to say about kindness. I think it's it's kind of what I default to. Not really. No, no. <laughs> it's not what I default to. It's what I um. You're intentional choose, about yes. Choose to put on. Uh, my default is like everybody's default. It's really easy to be negative. It's the easiest thing in the world to be negative, and so. Yeah. You know, a lot of people that are uh, cynical or, you know, very, very sarcastic, they're, you know, I'm just being, you know, goofy or whatever. But it's really, there's no talent in doing that because anybody can be negative. Anybody can be, uh, you know, just a, a, a pain to be around. Honestly, uh, but they don't, they don't see it that way. They're just like, you know, I'm just, life's kind of bad. And, uh, I really, I really go hard the other way. I try to go really hard the other way and not be, not, not be a glass is half empty or like mostly empty kind of guy but more of a uh, a glass is fine. No matter what's in the glass, we're all right. You know? Mm-hmm. So I guess, I mean, that's that's more of like positivity and positive thinking. And then as far as kindness goes, um, treating others with kindness, treating yourself with kindness, treating your art form with kindness. Yeah. Um, and treating your own creativity with kindness and not killing it. Because if if you look at your creativity in a negative light, it's just, I mean, I think there there's definitely a place for criticism and critique of artwork. Um, and that's not necessarily a negative thing. It should be looked at as a positive thing because you're trying to progress and trying to get better. But the... Um, the, 
whoops. We'll edit all that out. The 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 thing is whenever you have to be you have to be careful of how you're critiquing your work. Is it actually the critique in the work or are you critiquing yourself and your thoughts and like saying I'm not good enough or you know things like that. So just uh yeah. Yeah, I thoughts. think that's the distinction of the difference in between like a constructive critique is, you know, that's something where you're saying like this this isn't good enough or like it doesn't meet my standards. I'm not happy with it. Um and figuring out like why you're not happy with it versus I can't do this. I give up. Like, I'm not any good. I'm not an artist or I'm not, you know, whatever. Yeah, a defeatist mindset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think that, um, I mean, like you said, it just goes, um, it's part of just regular negativity. It's so easy to do that. And I think a lot of people do fall into that trap. I I know I hear from a lot of people that say that they want to be creative, but it ends up that they're like, they're afraid to start because they're afraid that they're not going to be good, but... And they probably won't. Yeah. That's the thing is like, you have to be okay with that. And, you know, everybody everybody has to start and when they start they're a beginner that's just a universal thing unless you're like a freak of nature child prodigy but most people aren't (laughs) most people start at the beginning and they're not good and they put in the work and they get better Mm -hmm. and I think um that's what makes I think it's less of a like um, like a natural born talent thing that artists or creatives have but what they have is they have interest and they're interested enough in something to keep doing it over and over and over again and even when they fail they still come back to it yeah yeah I mean whenever a kid's learning to speak Unless you're a really awful parent, you don't go, well, <laughs> just get with the program, figure it out. Why aren't you good at this all of a sudden? But that's something that you have to learn. And, you know, it, it, it's a it's a very slow process to, of learning a language. And um, that I really think that a lot of things are, are very much like that. It's very, very much a... There's lingo that you need to learn. There's, you know, tools and shortcuts and and all these things, uh, mental shortcuts and also actual shortcuts in in the doing. And um, you just really have to be generous and kind to yourself and giving yourself um, a lot of room to grow and not judging, judging yourself or judging your creativity too hard. Otherwise, you're just going to squander it and you're going to go, well, I'm just a, I'm just an accountant. Like I can't I'm not I'm not a painter. 
And then you go on crunching your numbers for the rest of your life until you die. Uh-huh. Maybe not even your numbers, someone else's numbers. That's even worse. <laughs> you don't even own the numbers that you're crunching. Unless you're, unless, you know, maybe some people like that. I mean, I think they do. Sure. I think you have to like, um, <laughs> I think you really have to enjoy being an accountant if you are an accountant. But I don't. Um do you, I just picked the the the, the uh, profession that is probably what most people think of the least creative, which actually mm-hmm. I think accounting is probably requires a lot of creativity and like manipulating numbers. But I'm anyway, sure. see that's me. That's me being kind. I'm trying not to <laughs> like judge too hard on like other professions. To each his own. <laughs> But I think I I, I really want to. Uh, it's it's such a very it's such an easy thing for people to fall into. Of, um, well, this happened. You know, um, I just don't feel like creating because of COVID nineteen. Like, well, okay. Well, it's just a negative mindset of like, I am in a rut. I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, it's a situational uh, dependence on whether you're going to create or not. And I I think part of kindness and like choosing to have a, uh, a positive outlook on creativity means that you are unencumbered by your situations and you allow for space to say good like whatever happened in my past in my future in the present good it's brought me to where i am now and it's going to bring me to where i am in the future and that's all part of this thing that is life and and looking at it negatively only affects you poorly so why not look at it positively and therefore you'll create better art because you'll be more joyful yeah that that good thing that's um from jocko mm-hmm. and i've been using it whenever i'm doing something i i need to use it more i kind of it hasn't been in my mind but whenever i've been running lately i really don't like running mm-hmm. um and it just, it feels, I just, I'm running and I just want to stop. And I've been telling myself, good, good. That like, you know, this is really uncomfortable. I really don't like this, but good. It's good for me. And then I keep going and I make it till the end. I don't, I, yeah, I love that mentality that um, he talks about. But Back to the, um, like, kind of, like, getting in the pit of despair for, you know, when something bad happens, like coronavirus. Um, I mean, I I see what you're saying, but I also, I do think that being really um, upset or, like, feeling burnout um or just having a lot of emotions that you don't know what to do with like those are real things and 
it's definitely can be useful and um, not a bad thing to take a break and to like let yourself just rest or do what you need to do to get in a better mental place. Do things that are because creativity is um, it requires a lot of energy. It's like paint like you know I don't know I think a lot of people think that painting is like all fine and dandy and just like you know rainbows and unicorns or something which it is in a way like it is super fun but it's also takes a lot of energy um it's a lot of it's definitely like an outpouring of myself of my heart and it takes you know it, it just requires so much thinking from me, so much mental energy. So it's um, when your bottle is empty and you don't have anything to give, you like you have to fill back up. Well, that's, that's, that's part of the creative process as well, right? Like just the doing is not the whole picture of creativity or, or being a cre- being a creative, being a creative is filling your cup again. Yeah. And so, um, I, I completely agree with you. You know, I mean, grief is a real thing and we definitely, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that whenever, you know, say your, you know, your sister dies and then you have to deal with that you know, you're not, it's hard in that moment to say good. Yeah. Because like what good can come from that? Um, so there, there is grief there in, 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 in real, real life situations that are, that do suck. I think it's an acknowledging the suck and responding to the suck with, you know, an adequate amount of grief. But I think a lot of people get into this, um, you know, tailwind of, uh, or yeah, they just get into like a, a grief spiral and, and they'll, they'll, you know, the next thing they know you're, you're depressed for like six months, Mm -hmm. but you, that's that's allowing your situation to control it instead of saying this happened mm-hmm. i'm sad and i i'm gonna allow myself to have grief and grieve this person's loss mm-hmm. and then move on yeah i i agree with what you're saying i think i like my hesitancy comes from a place of us both being like pretty productivity driven and um also like being in a culture that is very productivity driven and you know like productivity equals success and um i'm really trying to listen to you but you have white stuff on your nose what and i have no idea where it came from (laughs) i don't think we have any cocaine in the house (laughs) I have no idea. It's on the tip of your nose. Is it paint? I don't know. Here, <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I think it's I paint. I think it's paint. I think it's paint. How did... 
I I'm not even painting today. <laughs> so I just, just walked into the studio in and got. I took a shower. Yep. And came into the studio and got covered in paint. Yep. So That's anyway, so weird. Continue what you were saying. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm saying. Okay. Well, uh, I I. I think it's it's related to what you were talking about, and I I want to read uh, one of my favorite quotes. Um, is from uh, oof, I don't know what college he was speaking at, but it's um, Neil Gaiman, uh, who is an author uh, of lots of wonderful books like um, American Gods, and um, he did this one that's like. Uh, a retelling of Norse mythology and his version of Norse mythology, which is really interesting. Yeah, I read that one. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it was fun. Um, but so this is a commencement speech. It might be for Harvard or Harvard. <laughs> Clearly, I didn't go there, but um, and he didn't either. He didn't. Um, I don't think he went to college. No, he didn't. Yeah, which is really interesting. I love that he was giving that speech. Yeah, and so. Um, he's giving a speech to people that graduated in the arts. Um, and um, this is just an excerpt from it. And this is what he says. Life is sometimes hard. Things go wrong in life and in love and in business and in friendship and in health and in all the other ways that life can go wrong. And when things get tough, this is what you should do. Make good art. I'm serious. Husband runs off with a politician. Make good art. Leg crushed and then eaten by a mutated boa constrictor. Make good art. <laughs> IRS on your trail. Make good art. Cat exploded. Make good art. Somebody on the internet thinks what you do is stupid or evil or it's done before. Make good art. Probably all the things will work out somehow, and eventually time will take the sting away, but that doesn't matter. What, what, do what you do best. Make good art. And make good art on the good days, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes me just want to, like, start making art right now yeah and i i think i think the sentiment behind it is right he's not downplaying any of those things yeah he's not saying you know i mean cat explodes like what happened to the cat <laughs> something real bad <laughs> yeah something real i'm not even a cat person but that would be traumatic yeah and but but when when that happens, something that throws you off your game so much, you have to do what it's you in my do. Hair. <laughs> I'm still like wiping paint off of me over here. It's in my hair, and that's how it got all over my body. On your nose. Well, life, the beautiful life of an artist. Um, but but you know he's <laughs> hair covered in paint. Make good art. Um, <laughs> but he's not, you know, he's not downplaying it. He's not saying that it's not something that is traumatic or awful. Um, it is, but you have to continue to press on and do what you do best, 
which is make good art. You have to just push through the pain and and all that thing, all that stuff. Because as creatives, I, I do like I feel most fulfilled and most full after a day of shooting or a day of um, you know writing or um, you know playing music or you know any of these creative outlets that I have and and it's just a it's a beautiful thing to have something a voice to mm-hmm. to showcase your pain for instance my one of my favorite artists is Elliot Smith and when I was young grr, um you know I was what 15, 16, I discovered Elliot Smith. And Elliot Smith is a folk singer that um, was really, really brilliant and a really sad person, or was. He he killed himself, but uh, extremely sad, actually, because, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he killed himself. Yeah. But, cool. um, <laughs> but he, and, and at the time, I was, I was quite depressed as well. And so it was... It was wonderful for me to have someone in an art form that I loved listening to um, say the things that I couldn't put into words. Mm-hmm. And the moment they were put into words, they didn't hold as much weight. It was it was this interesting thing of being able to sing something that resonates so hard with me that, you know, also resonate, resonate with someone else or, or, you know, and, and it's just, it's just a way of processing grief and pain and like sadness in the world. Um, one of my favorite quotes from a musician is from Tom Waits, who said, I, I love beautiful melody telling me the worst things in the world. And it's that juxtaposition of, making the pain tolerable through a beautiful melody is so, so appealing to me because, because he's doing just that he's being kind. He's not making, I mean, if anybody listens to Tom Waits, some would argue that the melodies that he's using are not uh, beautiful, but (laughs) anyway, he's, he's that guy that's like, (laughs) Yeah, sounds like a carnival barker. Um, but <laughs> I like it. And um but but what he's doing is he's he's bringing something that's difficult to deal with lyrically and giving it to you in a palatable way that you can process. Mhm. And that's just like that's kind to the listener. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful and really powerful. Um, even, I mean, hearing you talk about that makes me just think about like a lot of the art that I've seen, like the, um, murals of George Floyd's face and like the Black Lives Matter painted on the streets leading up to the capitals. Um, those images are so powerful, um, and important and, art I think art often like does reflect the 
person's emotions or the times that we're living in. Um, but I don't know, for like in my experience, it is very hard for me to make anything when I am like really not not doing good. Why? I don't know. I just don't feel tried? like it. Like I have you ever just tried, usually come if I try and I'm pretty upset, I usually just um I feel like I don't have the energy. Hmm. And I either just like sit there and do nothing. It's like sit in front of a canvas and do nothing. <laughs> or I do something and it just like makes me even more frustrated. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess that's an interesting thing because I, I would feel like you would uh, want to create because for me, whenever I'm feeling... Uh, whenever I need to process something or go through, my default is to go to one of my outlets mm. and use that. Like uh, whether it be writing kind of therapeutically or, um, you know, writing and then just throwing it in the trash. Like I don't, I just need to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and perhaps you do this with a different medium, not yeah. painting. Yeah, maybe. That's Something that's more feels more hobbyist, gentle to me. Yeah, not as much because pressure. I have a lot of, and maybe I would just paint. Maybe I would be okay with just like painting like a still life or something where I was like, this is just practice. You know, I just I set up this scene. I'm just looking at this. This is what I'm painting, and I don't have to because I think a lot of my my you know work that I consider like my meaningful work it it um it requires a certain uh mindset or frame of mind yeah 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 um well and i also wonder if you know we're two different personalities i'm a seven you're a four so you feel the feelings all of them and my default is i'm gonna run away and go do something Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think that's why why I uh, I use creative outlets to to process. Mm-hmm. It's not I I don't feel like I'm running away from the issues, but it's it uh, it, it it's a tool for me because I don't want to tackle it head on. Um, like you know this, but my the best thinking that I ever have is whenever I'm driving. Because I can't just sit there and think. Like, just sitting and thinking Mm -hmm. doesn't serve me super well. Because I'm like, I just have to move. Yeah, you get antsy. Yeah. And so, like, the driving, I'm, like, doing something. I'm going somewhere. Even if it's just driving aimlessly, I've... I think much clearer. And then by the time I get to where I'm going, like today I drove to a coffee shop like 40 minutes away because the one in our town is closed. And on the drive, I was thinking the whole time about 
the work that I was going to do whenever I got there. Mm-hmm. So whenever I got there, I was ready to go and just knocked it out. Nice. You know? Yeah. So I think that's the difference between me and you is you you have to sit in the feelings. Maybe not have to, but maybe want to. Um, yeah, I'm comfortable in them for sure. That's like a comfortable place for a period of time. And I think you're right. That's probably where I'm coming from of being like, it's okay to like, you know, to rest and do the, do the more gentle things to fill yourself up and take a break or step away or just do something different. Um, And because I don't like the, um, you know, I don't think that creativity can fit in this box of what like the American dream calls success and productivity. Completely agree. Yeah. But I do, um, you know, I do definitely agree with you like that it's important to not just stay there, not to stay in the depths of despair and to stay not doing anything, like choose the things that are healthy for you. Start going on walks, start, start creating, even if you don't feel like it at some point. Yeah. I I think, I think when people, you know, are in grief, I I think we grieve wrong. Uh, At least in America, we, 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 kind of default to sit on the couch and watch you know some stupid game show like the floor is lava (laughs) when we're grieving or you know or or we just kind of like we stew in it i'm laughing because you just watched that show with luther (laughs) well he wanted to (laughs) and i'm a good dad um (laughs) but it is stupid i haven't seen it but i believe you it's dumb (laughs) But, you know, is it worse than Octonauts? Maybe. Maybe not. But probably. So, but anyway, I I, I think it, it sounds cold of me, I think, to, to say, like, if you're grieving, just, like, get over it. Yeah. But the grieving that I'm thinking of is just sitting and wallowing in it. So, right. like, doing something, like you said, like, going for a walk. You can still do that while you're grieving, but at least you're getting out and moving and not just sitting on a couch sedentary because mm-hmm. that's, that doesn't help anybody ever. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. we're not, we're not made to be on a couch for 12 hours a day. Yeah. We're made definitely to, not. We're made to move and groove baby. <laughs> and to create. We're and created to create. to create. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I think um you you mentioned uh something and I thought of this thing which is combat photography making something so heart-wrenching and awful like war into like beautiful art. Yeah. And on, on my podcast the film photography podcast overexposed um hey hey hey, little plug whatever (laughs) and i had bob holmes on which was a a national geographic photographer he's 
been taking photos for like 50 years. And yeah. he was talking about his friends that would go and be combat, combat photographers and how troublesome it was to them that they would see a bunch of dead bodies and then pick up their camera and then start moving to a, arrange them in their their viewfinder in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And like that was really hard for them to reconcile. But it goes back to that same Tom Waits thing of giving a platform for the viewer. Like it needs to be beautiful, but also tragic for the viewer to accept it or to process it. Cause otherwise if it is, if it's a poorly composed image, like it, your eye just doesn't move through it as well as a well composed image. So you have to do the viewer justice and the people that died justice for this cause by composing it in a good way otherwise what are you doing you're, yeah. you're not being who you're supposed to be as a photojournalist definitely it's really important work but eugene smith said he was a combat photographer he he was like on the front lines 50 something times which in um I believe World War Two, and yeah, World War Two, and um, got blown up multiple times. Like he has, well, he had. He's dead now, but he had like terrible back issues and leg issues from being blown up and like Jeez. tossed around from all this craziness. And he was just a photographer there. He wasn't, you know, but he was on the front lines fifty something times. And he has a quote that says, "They I paid for every image." with my soul yeah because it was so hard and tragic and rough but i mean he's he's one of one of the best photographers ever uh, and because he did the work to bring us things to look at that are beautiful but also tragic and he had to he had to live through it so yeah that would be really hard and take some like real working out in your mind and in your conscience, you know, of knowing that like what you're doing is important um, and believing in what you're doing so that you can actually go through with it. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so hard, so hard to, to get to a point where, you're almost you're almost sacrificing your own well-being or yourself um to the art to to that medium and the viewer hmm and not necessarily i mean and in his case is a very very extreme example and i'm not saying that everybody should do that i'm just saying in his case that is exactly what he did was he sacrificed his own probably mental well-being and his physical body to serve the art form and the viewer, which is intense. That's why he's the best. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, that just made me think about Van Gogh. Like, Oh, yeah. I don't know if he really... Um, consciously did it (laughs) yeah or if he was just already like obsessive yeah 
about painting and um, doing what he was doing, but he he's you know the the like painter that comes to my mind that was very um, distraught and just negligent of self in order oh, to yeah. give everything to painting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty wild. His his story is so so crazy. If anybody doesn't know, I mean everybody knows of Van Gogh, mm-hmm. Starry Night. There you go. Everybody knows that one. You can close your eyes and picture that painting cuz we've all seen it. But who knows the story? Would you like to share the story of him? Uh, <laughs> or, I mean, you know, because you're talking about how much he suffered for his art, but, like, maybe not everybody knows. Well, yeah, I mean, he... It can be a bastardized story. Nobody's going to, you know, call you an art historian until you start your okay, art history thanks. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, he was just... Um, he, you know, it's, he was in and out of mental institutions a lot and um, just chose art as his profession, even though, like, he never had any money. He never, I think he only sold one painting in his lifetime. And so he just didn't have any money. Like, at one point he was eating paint and which is not a good move yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and and i think you know he also he sacrificed a lot of his social um you know uh ability or you know uh, we have this uh, uh, oh we have this way of talking with other people that's like palatable for other people to be around us mm-hmm. and he did not have that he was solely focused like he had almost no friends yeah even even the no, painter friends so that sad. he had kind of hated him. like didn't really enjoy being around him i think he had one uh one friend that they would like paint together uh, for a while but it's just like you know, subjects would come in and this other painter would start painting this, you know, uh, this woman. And then he would, Van Gogh would come and like start, start painting as well. And then she would just get up and leave. Cause like, that's how uncomfortable people were around him. Just very, you know, he had some stuff. He was a weirdo. He is a weirdo, yeah. but I mean, he has some really, well, also very strange art. Yeah, for the for his time. For his definitely. time, for sure. And maybe that uh, attributed to why people didn't want to buy his. With like, what are you doing? This doesn't, you know, his um, what is it? What is it called? I can't remember. But like that one painting where it's like a bed and a ch- and a coffee table. The perspective, maybe his perspective, but it's like the proportions are all weird and whack and like. It looks so not normal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, a lot of his work, like, as he, like, really um, progressed in his work is not realistic at all. It's very, um, 
very expressive. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was he he was one of the people that started the movement of expressionism. Mm. So his work is very um like it's just it's so much about color and texture and um movement. Yeah. Yeah. Not about portraying something exactly the way that it looks, but more about portraying something the way that it makes you feel. Mm. Yeah. Well, and and people thought that he was like, kind of, this is getting real, real art history over here, but uh, didn't people think that, well, maybe because he was eating paint, maybe he was kind of, kind of loopy and like seeing the world in a very strange way and maybe on opiates or, you know, who knows something, something was up. He might've been doing some sort of drugs. Oh, I have no idea about that. Yeah. Well, I do. (laughs) No, I have no idea. It's only speculation that Van Gogh was a drug addict, but anyway, kindness. (laughs) Um, yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about is something that I started doing a couple years ago and it has changed my life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you know what it is? No idea. (laughs) Using affirmations. Mm, That did change your life. I did know this. So it started with the artist way. Yes. Um, so the artist way written by uh julia cameron julia cameron um is is kind of this workshop um workbook that you go through and there's a whole bunch of really 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 great stuff in it and um it's it's like therapy for creative people yeah it's been super impactful for both of us and there's you know affirmations is i think one of the first things that we go through Maybe. And then yeah, I think he, she starts some affirmations in the first chapter. Yeah, and then there's like morning pages where you just fill up three pages of a notebook with just free writing. You just unload your brain into it. And that that's really, I really enjoy that. And I should get back into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I had never used any kind of affirmation or like positivity in that way before and one of the exercises that you had to do was to start using affirmations and the first one in the book is to say I am a brilliant and prolific artist and yeah the first time I read that like I could not bring myself to say that (laughs) yeah it was really really hard um but like I had to do it <laughs> to, you know, do the, get through the, the book and all of the exercises. And also I remember at one point, like her saying that if you don't know what to, like the morning pages is supposed to be just stream of consciousness and we don't have anything to say, just write your affirmations. So I just remember writing over and over again. I am a brilliant and prolific artist. I'm a brilliant and prolific artist. Um, Because I was struggling with that, like being able to say that so much. So it was kind of what was on my mind. Um, 
but then I started getting as I like you know started forcing myself to say it it started getting easier to Mm -hmm. say and not as like weird Mm -hmm. and uncomfortable and painful even well yeah and I think I think both of us growing up in in Christian homes like those kind of statements are kind of I don't know you don't want to be too prideful sure so like humility is a big thing and I, I think there's a big difference in between pride and confidence. Yeah. And like saying that you're a brilliant and prolific artist doesn't mean that you're prideful about that. You're just saying, I am. So I'm going to be. Yeah. And it kind of gives yourself, it gives you the freedom to, I don't know, it just opens up so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I, um, well, so with that one specifically, I could not imagine like ever coming to the point of like being comfortable with saying that or believing it. And, but one thing that happened after a period of time, um, is that I, um, I was doing my 100 day project at that time. And then after that, I like continued creating almost every day. So even though I was at the time, I like a new mother and I was only creating in small chunks of time, I was doing it consistently. And I realized all of a sudden that I had all this work and I was like, wow, I really am prolific. Yeah. And then the other thing that happened was that I kind of started getting into this place for the first time of being, um, this is kind of, I don't know, this is hard to explain, but like just being happy with the work that I was making. Um, so, you know, starting in a sense to believe the brilliant part. And when I say like that, I'm like happy with what I'm making. It's not, I don't mean that there's still room. There's always room for growth. Like there's always, I never have, I never really satisfied. That's why I keep making stuff. But I, I guess I am content with it to a certain degree and it does really make me happy and I feel comfortable enough that it is good I feel comfortable enough that I can like like if I didn't believe that my work was good I wouldn't want to sell it yeah for sure well and I think for me like the I'm 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 pretty critical of my work and I uh, call pretty hard on my, you know, the images that I get and, you know, put them right in the trash. If they're composed, not great, then right in the trash. Like just, you know, there's, there's a harsh critic in me. Mm -hmm. And so I try really hard to be kind to myself in saying that this is the best work that I can create now, you know? 
Yeah. And like it, it's good, but I, you know, I, I see having like where looked, you want to go, looked at past yeah. masters or, you know, even, even paintings, like looking at paintings is just like a gold mine for a photographer. But, um, it just giving, giving myself, uh, a break, not, not saying this is good enough, stay here, yeah. but this is good enough now. What I'm creating is as good as I can do right now. And as I continue to evolve as an artist, as a creative, as a person, I will continue to make better and better art. Yeah. And I think that's such a, such a huge thing to, I mean, you know, and I'm clearly, I'm not perfect at doing that. Um, and, and there's many times where I'll, I'll get images back and be like, well, maybe I should hang it up. But you still press on and you keep creating. Yeah. I feel like I um, keep saying yeah too much and I'm just like probably being really annoying. Nah, the Beatles did it. <laughs> That's true. Okay. The Beatles, the Beatles thought. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Beatles can if, do if you, it. If, then. if you got Lennon, George, and John, like, or Lennon, George, and John, John Lennon is <laughs> Lennon. Uh, notice how I didn't say Paul. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, the it, worst, your least favorite <laughs> Beatle. Yep. Um, you have no idea. But they, they, <laughs> yeah, they wrote songs that, um, they thought that the more yes they would put in a song, <laughs> it would make it a hit. And so there's that one song, I like at the hit, at the height of them trying to do this is It Won't Be Long, which yeah. is, it won't be long, yeah, 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 it won't be long, yeah, 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 it won't be long. And it, it's so many yes. So yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the best band ever. So, there you go. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Affirmations. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not overdo it, okay? <laughs> All right. I'm done. <laughs> uh, the other time that I used affirmations like pretty heavily was when I gave birth mm -hmm. to our little baby mm -hmm. Beck. Baby, baby boo and um that was that you uh man I don't know I don't know I how to describe it to somebody that hasn't given birth but all the you know, mamas out there know what I'm talking about. But yeah. that was just so powerful to like use. It was such a very clear um, representation of how powerful affirmations are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Warrior mama. Yeah. That was one of, one of them. I am a birth warrior. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah. Primal. Yeah. Oh, well, it just, this was the other thing I was thinking about earlier. Um, along with like saying something like that comes, it's not just words, but 
along with the words comes your body changes. There's like a posturing and a posing of your body. Yeah. Well, it's that it's the it's the sentiment of fake it till you make it kind of kind of so like it, I, I'm not a huge I don't really like that phrase but what you're saying like I don't know sometimes sometimes I speak in front of people and I'm not like super comfortable in speaking in front of people I mean I do have two podcasts and you know wanted to create another one but that's behind a computer nobody can see me but in front of like a lot of people it kind of makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. But what I have to do is channel, like pretend to be someone that loves doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to do in my mind is like Beyonce. Beyonce does this. She has an alternate personality that she goes to for her performing because Beyonce, Beyonce not Beyonce performing or I can't remember who who it's like it's has some like French name is her alternate ego but um she has to get into that character so that she can perform and be who people know her to be and and that's the same thing that I do I'm just like Beyonce <laughs> <laughs> I I have to I have to get into the right mental space of like like, for instance, um, someone that I would draw upon would be Gary V. He seems like when he talks, he does tons of public speaking. And when he talks, he is so just adamant and like, I am confident and yeah, you better do this and things like and things that I do not have inside of me. But I can pretend to be that person and make it through. Not that, you know, speaking in front of people is way easier than giving birth. But I'm trying to relate here. I'm a dude. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's interesting. I don't know. For me, I can see how that would um, be useful. But for me, if I'm not, and maybe it goes back to like the four thing of, being so connected to my, how I feel. Like, I can't just ignore how I'm feeling and then pretend or, like, act. So I that's why the affirmations have been so um, helpful and powerful for me because they change the way that I'm thinking about myself. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, there's similarities there. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's not necessarily that I think I'm Gary V. I know, but yeah, I'm I'm telling myself I'm a good speaker. I'm a good yeah. public speaker, like yeah. him. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I have this character in my head of what a good speaker sounds like and says and does. So I try to be that. But me. It's like me pers- like to 10 or 11 instead of me at my default of maybe 8 or whatever. Yeah. 
definitely. It's all, it's all within us. Of course. Well, I think there's, yeah. Anyway. Your most aspirational self for mm. like the environment that you're about to, you know, put yourself into. Yeah, my Instagram self. <laughs> yeah. So w- one other example of how I'm using affirmations currently um, that I just thought of is um, like when I come into the studio, um, so there's a lot of, you know, there's a big thing with being an artist and a parent. And the question, the obvious question is, how do you have enough time? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I come into the studio, I mean, there's other things that play into this too, but I say, okay, I have two hours and I say whatever project I'm working on, like I am going to write this email (laughs) (laughs) or I am going to make a beautiful painting today. You know, like I just Uh say it, I say what I'm going to do, like, and that I'm going to be successful at it and just entering into that space with positivity and confidence and believing in myself um, and believing in the time that I have rather than being like, oh, I don't have enough time to do everything that I want to do, you know. And honestly, if I think, if I, at times when I've thought more like that, I'll come into the studio and then just Puts. sit. Yeah, yeah. 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 Not even get going on anything. Right. Yeah, yeah. You have to play the probability game in that when you come in and do a painting and maybe it turns out awful, you have to wipe it. It's, you know never a good feeling or for me like i take a whole roll of garbage the whole thing is straight into the trash it's not fun um but you have to keep going you have to keep pressing because you're playing the odds odds are if you continue you will make something good eventually and if you can just get 1% better. And I think that that's the hard, hard part of creativity is sometimes you feel like you're in a rut. But maybe you're just making very, very small improvements. So if you can just get 1% better every single day, then guess what? In a year, you're 365% better than you were a year ago. And it didn't <laughs> take that much effort. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, you can't notice it. And I think that's the problem. Is 1% is un- almost unnoticeable. Mm-hmm. But there's improvement there. So, press in. You know, do good work. Stay disciplined. <laughs> For sure. Um, but I think that there is something... 
that I just don't know much about. But I do think it's really powerful, the mind-body connection and using your mind in, like, using affirmations. Um, It just makes such a big difference. And it's more than a mindset of just keep showing up, just keep putting in the work. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I was just saying that sometimes even with those affirmations, you turn out a pile of garbage mm-hmm. yeah. because you're not foolproof. Yeah. And sometimes it just happens no matter how much you're telling yourself you can do it. So th- that's just like a push through even whenever the affirmations don't work. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cause times get hard and, um, yeah, you have to just, Keep on trucking. Just keep swimming. As Dory says, (laughs) just keep swimming. She's a wise person. Fish. Wise fish. So kind of back to like what we were talking about earlier with like when something, uh, when you're feeling a lot of emotions or when something bad has happened um, and then going to creativity. I do think that um, creativity has a big role in battling anxiety. Okay. Um, and I think it's because um, it's like it really it is. Well, maybe I don't know for all forms of creativity, but for painting. Okay. It is very much practicing mindfulness and being present. Yeah. Um, I, I, I firmly believe that if you are creating anything and you're not mindful of what you're doing, anything you get is just chance. It's just pure luck. Yeah. There's no work involved. Like if you're being... You have to be a mindful creative that is pursuing greatness. Otherwise, you're, you know, what are you doing? You're just kind of like willy-nilly just kind of winging it. Okay. There's nothing there. You're not actually creating. You're just kind of doodling. I guess doodling is creating. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and... But painting is more than just like paying attention to. (laughs) (laughs) Painting is so much better than any other. No, I'm just talking about how it's so, um, it causes you to be so present. And it's more than just being present. It's more than just paying attention to what you're doing. Because you're also, you're paying attention to your environment. You're honing in your skills of observation. And um, when I, I, we just went on a trip to Colorado with our good friends. Uh And um, so Tara and I painted, we did a plein air painting. Mm -hmm. And um, she told me that afterwards that um, the 
spot, like the scene we were looking at when we were sitting and painting is like etched into her mind Yeah, because we sat there and we stared at it for 45 minutes. Like we just looked at it and you, so yeah, so it just forces you to look at something for a really long time and like the more the longer you look at it the more you absorb about it and the more you notice about it mm-hmm. um yeah there's there's an mfa uh program that i was reading about that they all of their st- master of fine arts right sounds right okay i think that's what mfa stands for but i don't know didn't go to college but they uh, what they have the students do is uh, in, in multiple situations, they they have a student sit in front of a painting for three hours, one painting, and just look at that painting for three hours. Or they'll have them go out to the same place for an hour over the course of two or three weeks. So every day, same place, same hour for an hour just looking at the same place Mm -hmm. and what happens is you start to see things like you're saying that you never noticed before and i'm like really tempted to do that because it sounds so interesting yeah yeah you just start noticing color and light and movement all these different things um but you know from my my friend to my friend's point like the memory of and that experience that we had is so much more amplified in her mind than some of the other scenes that we looked at while we were just hiking and like we stopped and looked at it you know, for maybe two minutes, it was beautiful. And then we moved on and we kept hiking. Right. But the, the picture where we sat and painted, you can just, her and I can picture it because, you know, we, we absorbed it. We absorbed so much of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, um, that's one of the reasons that, Artists often have a different way of looking at the world. Um, Maybe this is just a speculation. Like maybe it's not so much that they um, like really see things differently than other people, but it's just that they pay attention and they notice so much more than other people are taking the time to sit and notice. Yeah, I mean, I, I I truly believe that that's all that creativity, like art, is is noticing. You're noticing the things that nobody else takes the time to notice, right? Um, you know, and and also also just changing your perspective, changing changing the way that you're looking at things, right? Um, and cha- like changing your perspective comes by listening, right? 
listening and absorbing, yes. receiving, listening yes. to others, not yes. just, you know, want, being the one that wants to get your point of view out there. How many all the politicians time? have you seen that create great art? Not a lot, because they don't really <laughs> listen. They're good at talking, not listening. So that's my, that's, that concludes the political segment of our podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I really think that by being conscious of where your mind defaults to, um, being mindful, right? You have to be mindful of where your, your, your thoughts default to where your eyes default to, you know, because noticing takes effort. Observing yeah. takes effort. Um, and it takes practice too. It, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean it, I'm working on that with Luther, with our, you know, six year old. That's one of the big goals for him. Um, I'm, re we're really into, you know, educating him in the classical model. And those are like the two big things are working on the skills of observation and narration. And it takes work. It takes work and time and practice to learn how to have good skills of observation. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely not easy um, it, it, it's very much like um, those that practice mindfulness in all that they're doing. Like uh, I worked with this guy that was really, really into mindfulness and I really enjoyed working with him because he, he was so Zen about everything and very just, um, yeah, nothing bothered him. There was this, there's this way about, he would tell himself, like, I am doing this. And, like, he would just say in his mind, because I talked to him about this, like, he would say in his mind the things that he was doing, and he was just so focused on what he was doing and let everything else in in the world kind of fade away, and he was solely focused on this, which is, like, quite a practice. Yeah. Like, that takes a lot of work yeah, to do. definitely. And... um. But yeah, to your point. So, so even even mindfulness, whenever you're just creating or you know observing, it, it's a practice. You have to not beat yourself up. Be kind to yourself. But that is also an art of observing. That's that's a huge portion of it. Um, and I would totally agree with you. Um, Every photo that I have taken, um, I can, I can remember that scene mm. again because I was hyper aware, even though mine wasn't 45 minutes, but I remember through the viewfinder seeing, like truly seeing, especially, especially portraits 
Like, I think that's what's magical that isn't talked about too much. But I, when I'm doing a portrait and I'm looking through the viewfinder, I'm like actually able to see the person without feeling weird about looking at them so For much. too long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because they're wanting me to do that. Right. Or at you least... Have the, you have at, permission. At least they've given me permission. Maybe they don't want to, but it it's this intention and... I don't know. It's just a really wonderful thing. So, yes, I completely agree with you. It's probably not as much as you guys, but I also remember that scene because I was taking photos of you painting. So I have that scene in my brain as well. Now, our friend Dallin, he probably has no memory of it because he wasn't doing anything. He just remembers cold. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. he, he was... He was doing plenty of stuff. I gave him a camera. He was getting in that cold water. Yeah, I gave him a camera. He, he shot around. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm super impressed by how you can look at every photo and say when and where it was and also what camera you use and what film stock. Because to me, it just seems like... How do you remember all that? You take so many photos. Yeah. And you remember every single one of them. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. I don't I don't always remember like what my shutter and aperture were. Uh especially shutter, because I change that so much. Um but yeah. I don't know. It's part of the craft. Because it you know, there, each film stock and each camera and each lens is like a tool, like a a brush or pigment, whatever. Like, you have to know how to use them in certain situations and what, you know, it's, it's a stretch, but I'm trying to relate to the artist in you, the painter in you. I'm, I need to be aware of these things. I'm not going to use a, oh man, I don't even know brush terms. A flat. Ooh, I got one. <laughs> Versus a, oh no. What's another one called? Round. A round. <laughs> oh, they're so original. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, need to, I need to know this film stock produces this image. Whenever I expose it this way with this camera and with this lens so that I'm consistent in what I'm showing and, and how I want to use that. So there's, there's a lot more going on than a lot of people think. Uh, I think photography gets a very bad rap about at least, you know, well, anyway, not not to have a pity party on myself. I think <laughs> I think photography is cool. I think all art is amazing. Um, I'm a big fan. And I think I think kindness is the most wonderful art of all. <laughs> well, okay. So we hinted at this earlier um, talk when we were talking about like beginning, and you keep saying be kind to yourself. 
But um, so I don't know. Just being kind to being kind. Okay. Yes. Being kind, not just to yourself, but to your work, to your creation. So not judging it too harshly, like having that standard and aiming for it, but not being like, not just thinking of yourself as a failure whenever it doesn't come out the way you want it to, you know, just like, like let the bad stuff come out. Everybody has bad stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you got to get the bad stuff out of there mm-hmm. and you get better. But I mean, you and I both still create stuff that doesn't, you know, it goes in the trash or gets painted over or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's all a part of the process and it's, it, it's an important part of the process and to be like grateful for that time rather than being grateful. Yeah. Just for the the exercise of doing it and like what it means that, um, the way that it makes you better and the way that it impacts your next creation rather than just being like, you know, getting, being so hung up on it and so precious about it. And like, you know, telling yourself that you can't do this or that you are a failure because something didn't work out the way you had anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think that's very good. Very, very great. So. Okay. I think you're great. Pretty oh. great. Oh. I like you. My goodness. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I like you too.